Welcome to Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman. We only have uh, three people with us today, so we got a short crew. Steven could not make it to a smoking bar to take part in the festivities. So today we have the man of many titles. Uh, this is John McCarroll. What's my title today? Let's go with Associate Pictures Editor. You know, I got you beat, though, now, because on the website, I am Grand Podcast Wizard. Uh, dude, I, I used to have Goofy Title up there. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so professional happy. now. I'm professional now. Uh, I am Keeper Ooh. X on our forums. Okay, and we have the newsman. Zach Pinchik, uh, super flat on the forums. And, and what is your title, sir? Uh, like, contributing editor of some sort. Yeah, that reminds me. When do we get upgraded? Like, when do we ding, John? There, when... there, there's a thread on a forum that you can't see. Oh, oh, oh ooh, about when we ding? Yeah. Oh, excellent, excellent. I, lo- I love this behind-the-scenes conspiracies. So today we, of course, have Fallout New Vegas to talk about. That's the big release, uh, the Your Mileage May Vary game of the year, apparently. Uh, so John obviously gave us a review of that, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, I'm hoping to do a PC review. We'll see how that turns out. And Zach has another game to talk about, which I completely slipped my mind right now. And we're also going to have a short little discussion on pen and paper RPG translation into video games, followed by a news section. Who knew? Diablo 3, no release date. Awesome! So, John, tell us about your, your trip through the Mojave Wasteland. Okay, so um, if you didn't read my review, first off, go read my review. Uh, second, I grew up in Las Vegas. I lived there for 25 years, so... I'm sorry. I, no, dude, like, I loved growing up in Las Vegas. There, There's no other city in the world where you can go out at... 3.30 in the morning. Keep it family friendly. I I don't I don't need you to tell me that. Go out at 3.30 in the morning, get you know, like I don't know, a ham sandwich at a restaurant, and then go to a grocery store at 4am and play the slots. Okay, that, that does yeah, sound I, pretty I, say, like New York City is pretty great, but slot machines are something that we don't have a whole lot of. All right, so with that in mind, tell us about New Vegas, my friend. So um, New Vegas is Fallout – I don't even want to call it Fallout 3.5. I want to call it Fallout 3.25 because it, it is Fallout 3 in just a completely different environment. Um, to be fair, compared to Fallout 3, it excels in creating an environment perfectly. On the minus side, um, I really don't like any of the individual characters in the game. I liked a lot of the individual characters in Fallout 3. That, that's something I can I can totally attest to. I'm, I'm playing it right now, and I'm about 10 hours in, and I've met tons and tons of people, and I've gone to tons and tons of places, and outside of the Las Vegas Strip, nothing really jumps out at me as being memorable. I'm still having fun, but nothing... Nothing is as memorable as when you came upon the Pentagon, you know, covered with Brotherhood of Steel members, you know, or seeing the bombed out wreckage of the White House, you know, so. See, and, and for me, like some of the environments in the game that people would be like, oh, this is something that's funny. Most specifically, the the Repcon factory in the game like that. That's connected deeply to me on things that I remember as a child. Um, for those who don't know, there was a, a, uh, a factory that that made. um Ammonium perchlorate, I want to say, something that was used in rocket fuel. Whoa. And it exploded, and it caused like $100 million worth of damage. And uh, I was in preschool at the time, and they like 
trapped us indoors because nobody knew what was going down. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, that, that's so cool, though, that they that they put that into the game. See, I, I didn't know that. You know, I grew up in the Philly area, so I went to D.C. very often. So that resonated with me being on, like, the Capitol Mall. But, you know, I've never been to Las Vegas. So, And there are, like, print, when you go to Prim at the very beginning of the game, most people, first of all, the Prim in the game is nothing like Prim in real life. There's two casinos and a mall there. Though, to be fair, the things like Bison Steve's is a comparison to a real casino. There's Buffalo Bills. And then there is a casino that has a roller coaster that goes through it in Prim. Huh. And, uh, but it's, the there's, like, no, uh, there there's nothing aside from that there. There's no residences or anything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now um, I, I want to keep you talking on this, John, because I don't want to take up on the mic. But, you know, I, I totally agree with your assessment that it really is an expansion pack to Fallout 3. And I'm happy about that in that, you know, I love Fallout 3. I love exploring the wasteland. And I will say that um, the iron sights mechanic and things that they've added, things that Obsidian added to the game really made the game better. At least on PC, oh. I feel much more comfortable using the iron sights. It feels much more like a shooter at times. And I think you mentioned in your review that you didn't feel that way in the console version. No, on the Xbox 360, the iron sights are the most useless things in the world. And it um, feels fine on PC. It feels great. See, here's the thing. Like, I, I played a lot of Call of Duty on Xbox, so I'm ah. used to the whole... No, 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 no. I played it on Xbox, so I'm used to the whole Iron Sights thing with a controller. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when you play Fallout New Vegas on the 360, it, everything feels just really, really sluggish when you're using the Iron Sights. And, I, I like, some of the weapons, when you would use the, the actual Iron Sights, if you didn't have a scope or whatever installed, it was impossible to see anything like your site blocked out everything except for this tiny you know hole in the middle of the screen i had no idea what i was shooting at half the time Mm -hmm. yeah no i definitely felt that way with like the uh like the nine millimeter pistol really gave me a feeling back to uh metal gear solid three snake eater like looking down your uh, main pistol it felt exactly like that and then um but like the 10 millimeter pistol it feels a little awkward so i i definitely see where you're coming from there but i do think that for for shooter fans you're still going to use vats primarily but the uh, the shooting mechanics are definitely improved over Fallout 3. I thought Fallout 3's shooting mechanics, particularly on PS3, where I played the game mostly, were horrible. And then when I made the switch over to PC, it felt much more natural. It just it feels like they, they tuned it right to the mouse and keyboard setup. And, and here's the thing. I would agree with that completely. I played Fallout 3 on PC. Um, they sent the reviewable they sent us was for uh, Xbox 360, so I really had no choice. Um, but I really did feel like the shooting was much more smooth on the PC compared to playing it with a controller. Yeah. Now, now my big complaint, and I've I've said it a lot on the boards, and you know I'm going to repeat myself a little bit here, so I'm sorry if this sounds like a you know total uh, me complaining session. Uh, my biggest complaint with the game was that Fallout New Vegas is practic was at least for the first two days of release practically unplayable on PC. Uh, I played it through Steam, and this was like the first time Steam ever kicked me in the nuts. The game wasn't saving, which is like, huh, okay, that's kind of a big problem. Uh, The game wasn't saving properly. I fell through the earth a number of times playing the game, had complete glitches. All the the white scorpions were always in the ground. Um, They have the NPC glitch right now where uh, people – 
Um, if you have an NPC on screen, if you can see their face, the game literally chugs down to like five frames per second. There's a fix online, uh, Google it, where you basically make the game, you force it to run in DX9 mode. It works 100%. I just did it before the start of the podcast, and that made a huge difference. But then they released a patch two days after release. It was a 200 megabyte patch. And they're like, we fixed over 200 bugs. And I'm like, on the one hand, I'm really glad that you guys released this patch so soon. That's awesome. On the other hand, you knowingly released a buggy product. And now imagine from a consumer standpoint, that really pisses me off. It really pisses me off that, you know, and I feel for Obsidian, and I'm not going to blame Obsidian. You know, we all know that they're, you know, they release buggy games, but they're at least trying to fix this game up. But I'm very frustrated at the fact that they were basically given a hard date. This is the day you're going to release the game, whatever shape it's in. And this is the game that we got, and it was unplayable for the first 48 hours of release. It was unplayable on Steam. I, I'm sorry, I consider a problem where the game is not saving properly to be unplayable. No, I hear you. And and to be fair, like I first off, I want to be clear. Uh, a lot of people told me my review was really negative. Um, yes, I talk about the bugs because the bugs are there. Um, I really like Fallout New Vegas. You know, I might say a lot of bad things about it because it's a very flawed game, but I like the game a lot. Yeah. Um, I I had I, I didn't play the PC version. I didn't have bugs that were in the core engine of the game that made it unplayable. But when I'm going up against the final boss in the game, and my character was not built for combat at all. He had like 70 in guns, and everything else was speech repair, science, da 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 da. Um, and so my only way to beat this boss was to, uh, shoot his weapon and destroy it. And when I went into Vats, I destroyed his weapon. I was like, okay, cool. He's not going to attack me. Well, he didn't attack me because he fell out of combat and became invulnerable. Oh God. Yeah. It it sucked. Yeah. I mean, just the number of bugs. I mean, again, I'm loving the game too. And you know, I want to review the game for PC. That's what I. That's what the job I've been given to do for the site. But in its current state, you know, first off, I'm not far enough in. I'm only like 10 or 11 hours in. I haven't completed the game. But I almost don't feel proper in giving it a review right now because I and – and I'm not saying that as a criticism of you, John, because you wanted to get the review out in time and you mentioned the bugs. But I don't feel comfortable giving that game a review right now, especially on PC, until we see where the product is. So my review may be a month away when they release a couple more patches, and I think it might be a good – comparison with John's review, even though it's on the 360, it might be a good comparison for where is this game a month or two down the line compared to where it is now. Yeah, no, I hear you there. I yeah. hear you there. And I mean, uh, uh, the only real complaint that I have outside of the bugginess, and I, as I said before the show, this is the buggiest game I've ever played for retail release. This, uh, I, this is a, I, as buggy as it gets for me. I, I don't I, w- I don't want to cut you off because I want you to continue your point uh, in what you really hate. But uh, you look at some of the games that Troika made. Um, and actually, oh, yeah, we're going to yeah, talk, yeah. talk about a Troika game later because uh, Zach's talking about Temple of Elemental Evil. Uh, but I played Arcanum without a patch, and I played Vampire Bloodlines without a patch. Yee. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. And, you know, Bloodlines had no excuse for that because that game was basically finished for a year and they had to hold off on it until uh, half yeah, yeah. yeah. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But um, my biggest uh, complaint gameplay wise for New Vegas, and some people don't seem to be having this problem, but I know I really did. When I played Fallout 3, you know, as soon as I got out of the vault and you could follow your father, 
I just said, screw it. I'm going to walk that way. And I just kind of walked the earth. You know, I, I just, you know, made like Kane and Kung Fu, just walked the earth and just did my thing. And I, I found the game to have a nice difficulty curve that way. Uh, when I played the game for PC and I was trying to get to the new content really quick, I immediately ran to where the game was telling me to go, which was, you know, DC. That's really where the game forces you to go right away. And you're fighting super mutants when you're like level three. And, you know, I, I really struggled. And I was sitting there going, wow, that's, you know, really interesting that the main quest of the game, if you find follow that right away, the game kind of kicks your butt a little bit. Fallout New Vegas is the exact opposite, where if you the game kind of wants you to follow the main path at the start of the game, or at least follow the roads, which I like from a gameplay perspective, but from a following Fallout 3, where I could just walk wherever I wanted to and go out and have an adventure, you know, you walk off the beaten path in New Vegas, they're starting you literally right next to a nest of um, oh god, I forgot the name. The, the lizardy things. Uh, Death Claws? Death Claws, thank you. I completely mind-blanked. They literally start you right next to an area that's swarming with Death Claws. I ran into three or four giant rad scorpions when I was level two, and I, I, I couldn't do any damage to them. I've already run into a super, human, uh, super mutant master. At another point, I went off the road and just walked over a hill, like literally about 30 yards, and there was a glowing one and a bunch of feral ghoul roamers, and I couldn't stand up to those. Like... The game is hard, and I, I respect that because, you know, the wasteland should be a dangerous environment. But just this, like, the second you go off the road, the game has these giant bumps for you there. It really started to tick me off, and it really felt like the game was much more linear than Fallout 3. Now, I've gotten – I'm around a level 11 right now, and I finally have a support character with me who is just, like – he's doing way more damage in combat than I can. He's using a sniper rifle, and he's just killing everything. Uh, and it just kind of felt like until I reached that point, the game was very much on one track, and I wanted to see what your perspective was on that, John. See, I, I agree with some of your points. The game is really, really unbalanced when it comes to difficulty. Um, if you go off of the road in the very beginning of Fallout New Vegas, before you even get – like I, I want to see even before you hit level 20, you really just can't go anywhere you want. You can't walk across the desert. Um it's really unbalanced. There was also a point uh, when I beat the game the first time, I was level 18, and uh, there were quests that I was given, like side quests, that I could literally not complete because I would walk into the area and get destroyed. Right, right. Same thing was happening to me, and um, it, it really started to frustrate me. Like I was just sitting there like – you know, the best thing about Oblivion and the best thing about Fallout 3 was you just went off and had an adventure, and I loved that stuff. And it just kind of feels like there's a real lack of balance in this game. I One thing that I will say that looking back on it, I wish I'd mentioned this in my review, damage threshold is retarded. Yeah, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. So can you explain it to me real quick? Okay, so uh, in Fallout 3, um, there was damage resistance, which there's, it still exists in Fallout New Vegas, which cut the damage that you took by a percentage. Mm -hmm. And in the new game, there's damage threshold, where it will say you have a damage threshold of 15. You get shot by a bullet that does 9 damage. That bullet does one damage to you because uh, it did not beat the damage threshold. Uh, that's okay. So it's exactly like it, again. We're playing right into the pen and paper discussion. It's just exactly like the original masquerade rules. It's exactly the same, like where you had to do over a set amount of damage to actually do damage. 
Yeah, and it's it's really really frustrating, especially with the way that I had my character set up, where I I didn't have points in energy weapons, I didn't have points in uh, unarmed, where all of my damage was essentially I had an assault rifle and I had my nine millimeter pistol, and going up against super it's like okay. I can use this this incinerator that I've got, but I'm going to do just the same amount of damage as if I shoot them with bullets. Yeah, it, it it's frustrating to me too. Like when I ran into a super uh, super mutant master, I just ran backwards for like a quarter of a mile, shooting him in the face, and I couldn't do any damage. And eventually, I was just like, okay, I quit. I'm just going to let him kill me and reload because this this is ridiculous. I've literally shot him with like fifty thousand laser rifle rounds, which is admittedly not a strong weapon. But I do think that the damage threshold, it it really – its purpose was to put right the balance in Fallout 3. Like very soon after Fallout 3, if you get the power armor and you get like uh, the one special plasma rifle, you're set for the whole game. Nothing's going to touch you. But then New Vegas is like, well, we're going to have to deal with that. that. That's another question I have because I'm, I'm not far enough, and maybe this is spoilers, so maybe you shouldn't tune in. Can you get power armor in the game? Yes. Okay. Um, that's all I needed. Yeah. That's all I needed. Okay. That's all I needed. I'm just interested because it does feel like um, it feels like my armor is always really getting damaged quickly. I've always been a um, a repair guns uh, and science lockpick, so kind of like a roguish character. And then as the game goes on, I always start just pouring points into energy weapons when those start becoming readily available. But like it, it always just feels like my armor is never powerful enough. So I really want to get a hold of some power armor. Yeah. Um. Once once you talk to the Brotherhood of Steel, the Brotherhood of Steel is in the game. That, yeah, yeah. They're there. It's not a spoiler. They're a faction in every Fallout game. Um. There was even a Fallout game called um. Uh. What was the Xbox One called? Was that Brotherhood I'm, of Steel? I'm yeah. Just Brotherhood of Steel. Yeah. 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 Okay. They're in there. They're there. You have to find them, but they are in the Mojave Desert. Um. They're there. You have to do a lot of questing with them, um, but they're there. That's actually the quest chain that I was saying I couldn't do at level 18. It's able to do it at level 20, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, no, there is power armor in the game. It's heavy just like it is in the first game. You know, you can only carry like four sets with all your other equipment. Um, I actually never – it's there in the game. I never learned how to use it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what quest that is. I know where the Brotherhood of Steel is. Um, I think I actually cut myself off from doing it with the huh. way that I made some of my choices. Um, but it's there. Um, one thing I recommend doing for if you if you find the game to be difficult, um, once you pick up Cass, um, which you may not ever do, and if you don't want to do this, go to um, the the Silver what Silver Rush in uh, Freeside. Oh, okay, okay. And just clear out the place, like, shoot them all. And uh, there are, like, the best energy weapons in the game there. Nice, nice. Now, I, I do love the, the freedom in the game, and I, I love the fact that you can, you know, I wiped the powder gangers, like, off the face of the earth. I thought about doing their quest chain, and I just got really annoyed with it, and I just rolled in there and just annihilated everybody. And I love that about Fallout. Like, you know what? There, there's two two final points I want to make on Fallout New Vegas. Uh, first is just uh, one more slight game gameplay uh, gripe. 
there's tons and tons of locations in this game. It definitely feels more dense than the Capital Wasteland in Fallout 3, but it, there's more environments that, like, you just kind of walk into, and there was, you know, some bottle caps and nothing else yeah. important. No, so, it, it, it seems like there's a lot of empty stuff in the game. Yeah, um, yeah, and more so, and that was one of my big criticisms about Fallout 3. It felt like you would get to the bottom of a dungeon and you got ammo. And it, it, in Oblivion, there was always something important at the bottom of a dungeon. At least I felt like it. And in Fallout New Vegas, it feels like they've actually just upped the quotient of putting random crap in the game. Yeah, and to be fair, once once you get the Explorer perk or whatever, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, the t- level 20 perk that lets you see where all the locations are. Yeah, the, a lot of locations are really close together. Like, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of things where it's just like, Oh, there's nothing here. To be completely fair, however, there had been a location that I found. I was like, "This is retarded. This is there's nothing here. There's a pile of ash and a dead Brahmin." Uh, and then today, I was actually just playing, doing some more of the side quests. Um, no, that place was something, and oh, okay. I only found out because I was doing this quest. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, it seems there's a lot more quests in the game. That was uh, another complaint about Fallout 3 was that there weren't a lot of side quests. Like, there were only maybe 20 or so. There's a ton in New Vegas. Like, just going to the Fallout wiki and looking at the number of side quests, I was really happy to see it was more like Oblivion, where there's a lot of side quests. Now, that means that these side quests don't stand out as much as, like, the Republic of Dave from Fallout 3, <laughs> but which I loved. But... At least there's more to do, and the big reason I love Fallout New Vegas uh, and Fallout 3 in general, they're filling a niche of a type of game that I really wanted. This is going to sound really awkward, so let me me finish the thought. I really wanted Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater to be like this. When they announced Snake Eater, and they were like, you're going to be in the jungle, and it's very nonlinear, and you can go wherever you want, and maybe you'll, like, find a base, or maybe you'll find, like, a security depot, and you can go in and get equipment. And there was this real sense that Snake Eater was going to be about, you know, scavenging and really, you know, survival. And then it came out, and it's still a great game. I still love it, but it's extremely linear. The the jungles are basically rooms, and you're just kind of going around. There's very little getting off the beaten path. Fallout, you know, the Oblivion-style game is you're doing exactly what Hideo Kojima was promising, where you are surviving. You come over a hill, and you see something down there like, you know, a power station, and you don't know what you're walking into down there. And, you you know, you get that little anticipation, you know, and then you go down there, and, you know, you might have the Garys, you know. Oh, oh God. <laughs> like, no, I – I am not joking, but I was going when whenever you finished what you were going to say, I was just going to say Gary. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like it's it's freaky, and you know, I just did a quest in Fallout. Um, I just went to two of the vaults, Vault Eleven and Vault Twenty Two, and I don't want to give away what their gimmicks are. One is very timely for this, you know, portion of the year. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, and the other one is just creepy, and it's just. I love that aspect of the game, the not knowing what you're going to run into. That's what keeps me playing Fallout. You know, like what, it, it's buggy, it's messy, but what keeps me going is the unknown, and I love that about Fallout. So, so does it pay off? Does does, uh, does has Obsidian made a game that stands up to the Fallout namesake? And like, does their do their changes really do they hold together despite the bugginess? John, yeah. you go first, and then I'll answer. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. Um, here's the thing. The game is buggy, and I don't like the individual characters. Um, I also don't like the voice acting. The voice acting is pretty horrid in this game. Um, it's, it's flat. It's very flat. 
Uh, also, there are some really weird bugs with it. Um, I remember I was in uh, the Crimson Caravan base, and I was talking to Alex McCafferty, who is the leader of that faction. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, she, she was the only person in the room. And then she, she said one of the random, like, Mr. House isn't going to be an issue anymore. And it sounded nothing like the actual character's voice. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. So... Uh, finish up your thought. Is this a worthy successor, John? Yes, it's a worthy game. It doesn't. It, it, it does fantastically. It creates a world that's believable, and it creates a world that's based in reality. Um, it's got good writing. It's got good quests. It makes me actually want to explore. The individual characters, again, aren't very good. The graphics are pretty bad. But, you know what? I like the game. I can't say... You know what? Don't play this game. If you didn't like Fallout 3, you're not going to like Fallout New Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you liked Fallout 3, if you liked Oblivion, if you like Western-styled RPGs, you're going to like it. Yep. And I'll, and I'll just throw my two cents in. And again, I really do want to write a review maybe in a month or two just when the game's patched up because I do think – in its current state, especially on PC, it's rough. You know, guys, if you're having trouble with the NPC glitch, with the frame rate drops, trust the forums. The DX9 thing does work. I know that people really don't want to do that. And you can find that file on your computer as well. There, there's a really detailed instruction on how to do it on the Bethesda forum. Um, it's a great game. There's it, it really is, like John said in his review, it really is a gem just covered in crap. Like there's, it, it's such a great game. There's great writing. The voice acting is flat. There aren't as memorable characters. But this is a giant effing expansion to Fallout 3. This is a giant expansion pack. If you wanted more content, if you just wanted to explore more wasteland, this is it. But if you were expecting this to be a huge jump, it's not. And if you have issues with lots and lots of technical problems, I would say hold off right now. But this is a great game. It's going to keep you busy all year. I mean, we've had a lot of games fall back into the first quarter of 2011. This game's going to keep you busy. And there's lots and lots to do. There's lots of factions to work with. Again, I cut off on my entire quest line with the Powder Gangers because I just wiped them off the face of the earth. And I plan on playing an evil character next time so I can work with them. So, and one thing I want to make note of, actually talking about wiping out the Powder Gangers, um, Obsidian does a uh, oh for and this might be a spoiler. Um, there there are multiple endings to the game, but at least the way that I ended it up with the quest line that I chose, you can't play after the ending. I yeah, think. yeah, I, I heard you say that. And didn't Bethesda say they weren't going to make that? And again, it's Obsidian, but didn't Bethesda say they're not going to do that again? That just screams to me that the DLC is just going to be like uh, what it was for Fall Through. I'm pretty sure that they've said in interviews, and I'm, I could be mistaken, that they're actually not going to go back and change the endings. I believe that all of the endings make it so that you cannot play afterwards and that they're not going to change that about the game. Here's the thing. The game makes it really, really, really obvious when you are going to play the final mission. Yeah. It, it's like a big sign that says, you can't go back. Are you sure you want to do this? At least the game does that. Yeah. And what's really nice is, actually, the way Fallout 3 handled it was pretty crappy. It was, okay, game over. Doesn't really give you any kind of closure with anything. Uh, Fallout New Vegas, the way that... I'm, I'm going to describe the type of ending, not the ending. Oh, if, if this is... If, if you might consider this a spoiler, you might want to fast-forward two or three minutes ahead in this podcast. The game wraps up everything really nicely. It gives you kind of a synopsis of what's happened to everybody. Well, that's good. 
That's and I, you know, with Fallout Three, I was really kind of disappointed with the way things ended, but I was not disappointed with Fallout New Vegas's ending, and it actually made me really sad because one of the quests that I didn't finish gave me a sad ending. Yeah, I, I think Obsidian's really showing that they are. It, it, great writers and great role players. It's just the technical aspect is where they struggle, you know. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it really makes me want to play Alpha Protocol because I know that's like twenty bucks now on PS3, and I, I'm willing to pay twenty bucks to just experience it. Uh, again, I didn't write the review for Alpha Protocol. I I really really like Alpha Protocol. It's it's got its issues, but it's good. Yeah. yeah. All right, I think that's enough Fallout talk. And I mean, Zach's just been, you know, sitting in a corner twiddling his thumbs. So I want to get him in here. So, Zach, tell us what you've been playing. I have been playing Temple of Elemental Evil, which is a Troika game that was recently released on uh, Good Old Games. Sorry, wait, one wait of I thought Troika was dissolved. It, um, it, Elemental Evil is not a good a new game. It, it's it, 2003, I think. Oh, got it. Now, okay, okay. It came okay. Out a little bit after. Um, uh, I think it came out after Neverwinter Nights, the first one. Uh, so it's 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 way back there, you know. And uh, interestingly enough, it does that. It's you know it's that isometric D and D based piece uh, computer RPG. So it's it's very much like in the vein of uh, Baldur's Gate and you know like uh, Planescape and uh, Icewind Dale and all of those that are have been coming out on there. And um, I know last week, or last time we did the podcast, I, I said I tried to play Icewind Dale, and, it, you know, that's still an old game. Temple of Elemental Evil at least uses the Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 rule set, which um, I'm a bit more familiar with since I enjoy. I've, I have role-played uh, with friends before. I've played some, some D&D uh, with the pens and the papers. Um, yeah, but... Uh, one one thing that I'd quickly like to to talk about is that when when you guys were mentioning how kind of empty Fallout New Vegas seemed to be, I, I'd say I'd seen some screenshots uh, of just like oh this is supposed to be a plantation that's that's full of people and there's like two guards or you know like this is uh, you know, like a factory that people are supposed to be in. Um, Temple of Elemental Evil does a pretty good job of of creating. A believable world and and granted it is stuck at like an isometric you know like top-down camera um where you know you you have like these pre-rendered backgrounds and all that throughout the world but at the same time like even just in the in the starting village of of hamlet um you have the uh, it's this big big village or at least it seems like that because of the the uh camera angle and you have you know like off in the in the corner there's a construction site uh, and there are people working on this construction site, and I haven't gotten tremendously far in the game, but it, it seems like the the kind of world that if you were to buy a you know like a D and D book, you know like what either uh, like you know, just a campaign setting, it seems like that's the sort of thing that you would get. Very fleshed out. There are characters everywhere. Not all of them say a lot, but there's a lot of voice acted characters. A lot of just really rich. Uh, world building that Troika has managed to do, and considering uh, you know their their track record with uh, Arcanum and with um, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, uh, they they made that right. I'm pretty sure um, that they you know it's it's not very surprising. So that's that's something that I have enjoyed a lot about the game. But um, having played D and D, and granted, I'm not you know like our group is. I play with a couple of my friends here at, at college. Um, and it's, we, we don't play specifically to, you know, like to, to 
adhere to the rules. You know, D and D for us is is very much a social experience, and and we do enjoy kind of uh, you know like the 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 you know like having these these big battles that we concoct and stuff. But at the same time, a lot of it is about that role playing experience. Is about Right. Um, you know, like just being able to, you know, like I, one of the characters I made, I, I role played as a, a, an illusionist gnome who used his powers to, you know, like to use his spells to, you know, act as like a, a drug dealer for, you know, like this, the town that he was from because, you know, like created, you know, like fanciful images, whatever, um, that it, there's a certain amount of that in, um, Temple of Elemental Evil, depending on the party alignment that you choose at the beginning, there's a different uh, opening sequence, and I believe that carries through the ending. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, at the same time, it's it's it seems almost like the game was built for people who wanted to play D&D combat, you know, like 3.5 edition combat, with the, with the maximum amount of rules compliance, like not having to go through all of you know like it for for us have if we had to like you know like take off all of our armor when we wanted to rest to avoid the you know like the the negative bonuses that you get for having armor on while you're sleeping you know like th this is the sort of game that follows that i i actually kind of tested it out um sight lines play a pretty a big deal like there's unlike the the D AD &D, like 2.5 stuff that you get when you're doing character creation in, you know, like Baldur's Gate or in Icewind Dale, you have every, like every, I think it's pretty much every skill um, that you can put points into. So you have like spot, uh, listen, uh, search, survival. Um, there's a lot of skills that, you know, like I feel don't translate very well to, um, you know, like a, a computer uh, RPG environment. And so like, one thing that I did was sight lines. I ran, there was a, there's a door that, you know, I was just kind of testing out, you know, like ran back and forth around this doorway and you can see the line of sight just shifting, like pivoting around, you know, like you can only see so far into this dark room and only, you know, like so much at a time. And I feel like perhaps it's just because I'm not, you know, like so into playing, you know, specifically, we, we know we don't play with like a, a you know uh what is it a tactical grid that you know our, See, we have me and my on. buddies we do so. yeah, i mean like it, it may depend on the person um but it it really like that that's kind of where it it fell short for me is that like you know if you look at uh dragon age you know for instance that's kind of the the big computer rpg of the of the past like three years i'd say um it's it adheres to all of the the sort of conversational like all of the the dialogue and um you know just basically plot and world building conventions i feel like that your standard you know like a top down like computer rpg would have but it doesn't bog itself down with the the 3.5 you know like or any any sort of dnd rule set and i'm i'm really interested to play um the the fourth edition because yeah. I, I imagine that would translate a lot better to a you know like to a video game setting because uh, my my friends all complain like oh man it's it's basically like playing a video game and I'm I wouldn't be super opposed to that but yeah I um, can I can actually speak to that um, 
you know, not not trying to cut you off, but uh, I can actually speak to that from coming from playing three. I, I played three point oh and just was, you know, all the the mess that was uh, Dungeons and Dragons three point oh, and then they kind of fixed it up pretty well with three point five. But I always got really bogged down in the mechanics of it, and I really got annoyed. Dungeons and Dragons four point oh. It really – I don't want to say it rips off World of Darkness. It doesn't rip off the um, you know, the vampire-style play, but it does make it a little bit more – it keeps the combat flowing. But mm. at the same time, it also seems to make the game more about combat even though it makes it uh, easier to handle. So there really isn't a lot of rules when it comes to the, to the role-playing, and that's why when it comes to me, if I'm playing a pen and paper RPG – I totally nerd out, and I go to New World of Darkness because I love the interactions, the role-playing elements, playing a character. Now, I do not get dressed up. I do not go out and LARP. Okay, I'm going to preface that right now. You know, I'm still a single bachelor. I want to want to get that out there. You know, I don't LARP, but uh, I really enjoy the role-playing aspect, and I think when you're in a combat situation for like a day – you know, one combat, and that was always my biggest complaint when I was playing with my buddies. And you're sitting there and checking the rules, and making sure that you get the right pluses to hit, and you make uh, sure you that you played yeah. with the rules lawyers. That's oh man. I, I had a buddy that, if, and I'm gonna call him out right now, Jason. If it, I, I'm sure he's not listening to this, Jason. If you had applied yourself in high school as much as you applied yourself to learning the rules of Dungeons and Dragons, the dude would have been a freaking Rhodes scholar. He knew every rule and then he would not study for class i used to tell him this dude if you studied the amount that you did right now you would be in Gren- you would be at cambridge like he was a rules nazi he knew everything it was incredible yeah i i think that's the main reason why i think that the D- without significant modification dungeons and dragons and these other style of pen and paper role-playing games don't translate well to video games I mean, that's that's kind of the the basic gist that I got is that like, man, this would be a great game if if I really wanted to have like that D and D combat experience. And and there, I haven't gotten like I really haven't gotten far in the game, um, partially because I really enjoy character creation. So I just spent like a, like a good two hours making a party um, that I that I found to my liking. Um, but you know, it's it's a game that I, I would really enjoy playing if I really liked combat and I really liked getting every little rule. I, I play with the uh, the the Circle of Eight mod pack, which if you are intending to get this game, and it's it's on GOG, uh, good old games for six dollars. Um, and I mean to support the website or to support Troika or what was you know what's left of Troika or whoever owns. <laughs> Whoever gets the the right, you know, the the monetary compensation for that, you know, it's worth uh, buying. If you if you're gonna play the game, play with the the Circle of Eight uh, mod pack because it fixes a ton of bugs. You know, like basically, uh, it, Troika has that same sort of Obsidian style development cycle where they release a game and then it's finished three years later by uh, modders. <laughs> That's because they they're essentially two sides to the same company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, I, I love them for that, and Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, I know, Rob, you want to talk about that, is uh, is really great now that it's a... Finished! Yeah, <laughs> done. It's a, it's a completed game. It has very few uh, bugs left. I think that they're even still releasing 
Yeah, like, they still patch the uh, yeah, the fan the fan community behind that game is insane. Like, um, I played maybe about a quarter or halfway through it uh, when I got my new gaming laptop. My my brother in law gave it to me, and I I didn't have a chance to finish it, and I'm really upset that I didn't. If you've never played Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, you really owe yourself to try to pick it up. Now, granted, when you get the retail version, you know, you're going to have to patch it and go online and find the fan-made patches to get the thing to work properly. But what the game is, it's like a tiny Fallout. Wait, uh, guys, I, I have a question. You say that there were a lot of bugs. I thought the game was just making sure that I was really into my experience of playing a Malkavian. Uh, Possibly. Possibly. I wonder how many people actually got that reference. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> not so much. I made the mistake of playing a Nosferatu and, you know, just exploring the sewers for hours on end got a little tiresome. But I was in that role. Damn it. I was a Nosferatu in the sewers, unable to go out on the streets. So hats off to them for making me, you know, hate my existence playing this character in this game. But it was really good. But uh, it's a tiny version of Fallout. You know, it's it's got tiny little maps, you know, nothing on the grand scale. But the open-endedness of the game and the multiple ways, it, it really does remind me a lot of Deus Ex. In a lot of ways, where there's multiple different different approaches to take to completing your mission objectives, you know, the stealthy way, the seductive way, the guns blazing way. And it's just a very well-developed game. I mean, uh, I made the joke about the Nosferatu. This is a, this is a vampire type that is it, very ugly, and you can't go out into public without people screaming and running away, and that actually uh, hurts what's called the masquerade, the fact that the vampires don't want people to know that they exist. And if you have too many masquerade violations, you, the game ends. And so in order to avoid that, you, you have to travel through the sewer systems, and you, you basically are a pariah. You, you can't interact with the social world. It and completely changes the way that the game is played. Like yeah, the game is completely different based on which character class you're playing. And then I decided to play as a uh, Torador. And which was more of like the seductive style vampire, and you know I was basically sleep. I was basically a male hooker. I was just sleeping with everybody and taking everything that I needed. So just the gameplay variety is is insane. Now uh, you know their vision was far too great for what they were trying to do, and the game uh, was delayed over a year because they ended up getting screwed up because of the uh, the release of it was released on the on Steam's engine on the. Um, Oh, God, now I'm forgetting the damn name of the Steam engine. Uh, Source. Source. Source, thank you. I, I need to drink more coffee before we do this. It was released on the Source engine, but because Half-Life 2 was delayed for almost a year, they couldn't release it when they wanted to. Now, how buggy that game would have been re- would have been if they released it when it was supposed to is another story. But it's just – I really think that RPG fans owe, them, owe it to themselves to try this game out because you really do see the beginnings of – Oblivion, Fallout, you really see the beginnings of that in this game, and it, it's definitely worth playing. Wait, wait. Uh, and it's, it's actually on Steam for, I think, 20 bucks now, so, you know, like, it, it shouldn't be too hard uh, to, you, you if you wanted to check that out as well, you can um, probably get, like, a mod pack that interfaces really nicely with that. Can we, uh, I, this John, game just got, John, real quick, can we put that picture in the show notes the picture that you just sent me yeah can sure. we please put that in the show notes i <laughs> that's actually what i was about to talk about how this this game made by Troga had really really fantastic writing oh it was awesome and we're looking at a screenshot which is actually not the screenshot i was looking for but it's similar where it's a you're playing a malkavian which to malkavians are insane um where it's a not, stop like, silly insane but like just like actually nuts 
And um, there's this, this screenshot here, which we'll put in the show notes. We'll, we'll load it up to RPG Fan because I just found it on some guy's photo bucket account. But it's a picture of a stop sign, and dialogue option one is, ah, stop. And dialogue option two is, you've made a powerful enemy today sign. And uh, my the one I was looking for is actually where the dialogue option is, no, you stop. But um... – <laughs> Yeah, the writing, the writing is tremendous. I hope those Troika guys are, like, working at other places right now because oh, – No, oh, here, here's what I was going to. I was doing research earlier because um, uh, Leonard Boyarski, who was art director on the original Fallout and did quest design and story on Fallout 2 – and then did all that stuff on Arcanum and uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Um, do you know what he's doing now, Rob? What? He's lead world designer on Diablo 3. Oh, I love him. I love. Yeah, that, that I, I don't want to leave right now. Okay, we'll get there in news. Remind me to remind me to talk about it in the news when we talk about Diablo 3. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just the writing in Vampire. I'm actually looking it up on Steam right now. It's 20 bucks, and I, okay, I think 20 bucks is a little ridiculous for a game that you're going to have to patch yourself. But uh, it, it's definitely worth looking into. It's it, it will run on anything now. You know, if you can run Half Life 2, you can run it. It's just a freaking awesome game. It. You know, there, there's little problems here and there. It's buggy as all hell, but it's it's literally a game unlike any other. And I, I think it's a it's a masterpiece in its own way that people really should experience. If you like Fallout, if you like open-ended Western-style RPGs, and you know, I I've found myself really gravitating toward Western RPGs lately because I really enjoy the freedom. And, you know, I love the freedom in Fallout, being able to wipe a whole town off the map if I want to. I love the freedom of Vampire doing what I need to do as long as I stay within the confines, the rule set of the game. You know, and I, I just love the freedom in these games. I really, really do. I, I don't want to be on a single track. <clears throat> Final Fantasy Thirteen. I, I just don't like to do the same thing over and over in Final Fantasy I mean, actually, like, getting getting back to Temple of Elemental Evil, the the kind of polar opposite that I, when I started thinking about combat systems uh, from the D&D, you know, like very intricate, you know, dice roll based. Also, dice rolls in computer games are really annoying. Yep. Uh, you know, like C, C Alpha Protocol, which well, is another game uh, that's uh, great. Okay, but... no, no, no. Here's the thing. the There are dice rolls in every game. Every Western RPG, there are dice rolls. But they're weighted. In, in a PC game, I feel like it's it's weighted better you know like there is there is a better balance for how often you miss and how likely it is you know like at least in a in a properly like in a in fallout for example you know like you're you're more likely to you know like shoot your i know i know that a lot of people get you know completely upset when you know like it says you have 95 percent chance to shoot you know like someone in the head and it misses every time at the same time i've, I've found it to be the case that like playing fallout 3 you know new vegas i can't really speak to it's it's more it, a proper PC RPG is balanced to make it seem like you're, you know, if as long as you're evenly matched up, that you're actually getting somewhere. And like, granted, uh, you know, when when you're adhering to Dungeons and Dragons rule set, you have like seven HP at the start of the game, and so do your enemies. And like a hit does, uh, you know, like fifty like four damage um yeah it can so, kill you quickly so yeah so like it's 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 just it's different i feel like they're built for different reasons but getting back to what i was trying to say before basically final fantasy 13 is the opposite of temple of elemental evil whereas on on the you know hardcore computer rpg D D 3.5 side you have 
such you know explicit adherence to the rules and regulations of the game that it, it almost bogs it down. Final Fantasy Thirteen seems like it has taken you know the the kind of JRPG side of you know formula of of the battle system too far. You know, of just like letting you um, basically just you know as as Rob you like to so often say press X all the way through. And I mean, granted, that's not exactly the case once you get later in the game, but um, it, it does, you know, like, I, I think that some, uh, there's a middle ground that can certainly be found where, you know, like, I think the, you know, the Persona games, and I mean, the Shin Megami Tensei games in general are, are a pretty good example where you have, uh, a, you know, a battle system that is bound by a very specific rule set and in you know like the smt games it's you know the the various weaknesses and and countering that you have to take into account um but at the same time it's it's not so convoluted and and completely um just like it's just not built to confuse and just throw the the player off um and I feel like that's something that you definitely lose uh, when you're converting, um, you know, like a, a pen and paper rule set uh, to a uh, to a video game setting. Um, so yeah, and I mean, yeah, Dragon Age, as I said before, was a another good example of that of like taking that CRPG formula but applying a more accessible rule set and you know, like making it more more gamey, more just playable even uh so yeah so so are we pretty much done with the pen and paper discussion i think we can move on to uh news unless anybody's got a final point to make we got to keep the show moving um i love troika i wish that those guys were still together i know that their games were buggy as hell um, who's uh, well who's making the vampire mmo oh i think it's uh ccp uh south ccp who does the eve Oh, oh, I don't know oh. how I feel about that. I think. <laughs> oh, goody. I, Vampire I, management. <laughs> uh, to be completely fair, I hear Eve has changed significantly. Actually, we were just approached by CCP not too long ago to uh, review their new additions to the game, which supposedly make the game very newbie-friendly. Neither one, here nor there, but... One, two, three, not it. <laughs> uh, it's already been claimed. There's a thread. Thank God. Okay. So are we ready for news? Uh, yeah. Start yeah. with Diablo. Start with Diablo. Start with start Diablo. With Diablo. Start, All right. start with Diablo. So, start with Diablo. News. Um, so at BlizzCon just this past weekend, uh, Diablo 3 has, they've announced the final class. Yes. Demon Hunter. Which is, you um, know, a combination of the Assassin and Rogue from Diablo 2 and Diablo 1. So I have another class that I love. Uh, I really, uh, I cannot decide who I'm going to play as. I've got to sound yeah. to three. So wait, Rob, um, really what does class combination mean in Diablo? Does it mean that you click in a different direction? Oh, ha, ha, ha. I don't have Steven here to defend me, but no, it, they <laughs> – <laughs> No, it's, it's really all about the abilities, and I think that's the big thing about Diablo 3. Uh, you know, Diablo 2, if you're playing as a barbarian, the game could get really boring because you're just smacking things really hard. But the reason why the Necromancer was my favorite class was because there were so many different things you could do. You could, like, you know, corpse explosion and set up walls to, like, pin enemies in. You had all your summonable abilities. And it seems like with Diablo 3, they're really making that an emphasis with the character classes to have everybody do different things. Uh, a couple of notes on what they announced 
to BlizzCon, the, the Demon Hunter class, she can she has all these different abilities. One of them is Entangling Shot, so she can actually entangle a group of enemies to slow them down. And then she has like a special type of projectile that wraps around the enemy, and it's kind of like a grenade that wraps around him, and then it explodes after a couple of seconds. So they're throwing a lot of uh, – a lot of tactical elements in the game to, I think, get away from what you're talking about, which is a fair complaint at the Diablo series, which is you click until dead. And uh, and then they had the whole rune system in now where you put runes on different uh, abilities. And they said that because of the rune system, they have over 97 billion combinations of abilities in this game. And some that they showed off, like the witch doctor has the uh, he has the uh, toad ability where he sends out like a couple of poisonous toads, and if you put the fire emblem on him, uh, they turn into fire toads. But one of them is the gold emblem. It turns it makes one giant toad that eats enemies. Another one makes toads fall out of the sky. It's like a, a rain of toads. Like this is just isn't that some based on some Japanese uh, myth. It sounds like a biblical reference. Yeah, I, I would have said more biblical. Uh, there's because there's the the Japanese uh, the myth that they use it. They, they most recently was used in Naruto where they there's the giant toad um, nerd. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just thinking about the giant toad from Chrono Trigger. So I I, I think that uh, Diablo three looks awesome. Uh, the abilities look nuts. I. I've got it down to three character classes. I can't decide between the Witch Doctor, Monk, or Demon Hunter. i got to see more of the Demon Hunter, the footage that they released, uh, and that's what I wanted to talk about. The footage that they released for the Demon Hunter, she did look like since they only had a couple abilities in place, it looked a little boring compared to like the absolute insanity of the other classes. But then again, she's still coming along. Um, what I wanted to mention was there's like an 18-minute video that you can find on either Game Trailers or 1UP. And I watched the whole video, and you see some more of the scripted events, and that's where the writing for Diablo – I mean Diablo not being known for writing. Like there's one scenario where the demon hunter like walked into a room, and it was a bunch of ghosts, and uh, they were like reenacting uh, someone being beheaded, you know, like an unfaithful wife or something, and the writing was stellar. Like it was just – it was really creepy. And so I think with Diablo, with these planned events, these random events that are going to take place, you could see a game that has a much stronger narrative and a much stronger creep-out factor. The other thing is that the new environments definitely look a lot darker. I'm not sure if that was the desired way to go after all the fan uh, complaining over the art direction of the game. But the game does look really dark. And, you know, no release date. Still. Damn it. Blizzard, chill out. I mean, at least we know that StarCraft II, whatever the Zerg expansion is, is going to come out sometime in a year and a half to two years. So I, I think I'm still saying Diablo three has a possibility for next summer. Uh, I think it has a possibility for 2011. I'd say second half of 2011. That's my guess. If not, it's going to be the summer of 2012. I see it as a summer release. I do. That that's normally when Blizzard likes to. Re that's when they release StarCraft. That's when they release Diablo Two, Warcraft Three. They're they're a summer company. So. Uh, so then why is uh, Cataclysm coming out in December? It's an expansion pack. It doesn't count. They could release that thing. Uh, <laughs> okay. They then could why release that thing. They could release that thing the day before the Earth ended, and people would still buy it. It doesn't matter. The original World of Warcraft came out in November. I think that might just be like a, a World of Warcraft deal because uh, Burning Crusade also was going to come out uh, like what it was it like November, December, and then got pushed back to January ish when yeah. it did come out. So that might just be to avoid, you know, conflicting release windows because, you know, they have so many games that come out at the same time. 
Well, hey, hey, Blizzard's producing right now. The fact that they're releasing yeah. StarCraft II and an expansion pack, you know, I, I looked outside to make sure hell hadn't frozen over. You know, Diablo is out there handing out snow cones. You live in hell? Uh, I do, actually. I, 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 you know, I almost gave away where I live, and that, that probably wouldn't have been a good idea. Never mind, never mind. It, uh, isn't, it, isn't it on your staff profile? No, actually, I need to update that. I'm no longer in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, uh, I'm teaching at a boarding school now, you know, hint, hint. Either way, I'll, I'll hit up some more some more of the newses. Uh, a couple of quick release ones. Uh, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest is now on the virtual console. Uh, if that is, if that is Final Fantasy for dummies, <laughs> more or less. That's um, what it was marketed as. Uh, I mean, you know, we've got we've got a review up on the site written by uh, our own Dennis Rubenstein, uh, and uh, he gave it, you know, gave it a good seventy-five, somewhere somewhere in between. Is is this? It was Mystic Quest the 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 one where it's like kind of Zelda-ish, or is am I just mistaken? Yeah, yeah, that's. So, Rob, I have a question for you. Which is more Final Fantasy for dummies? Is that Mystic Quest or Thirteen? Mm, that's that's a tough one. I mean, I hate both equally. Um, <laughs> I, I well, I wouldn't say Final Fantasy Thirteen is for dummies. I would say Final Fantasy Thirteen is for somebody that I've never met. I've never met anyone that wants to press X until the game ends. But then again, I play Diablo, so I do press the, le- the left click button a lot. So mm. maybe there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Uh, also, on, on the, in the vein of Final Fantasy XIII, uh, Square Enix just had uh, put up another couple of job postings. It's coming for, for 360. For yeah, so um, the, the interesting part of the job posting is that anyone who applies has to have experience developing for the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Uh, and so this is for, you know, versus 13. Um, and, oh, no, I, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's exactly for that, but it's uh, for... Battle planning and uh, level designers with 3D experience. So we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what oh, happens. So so basically, uh, Final Fantasy Versus 13 is a long way off. Yep. May it, not... it may or may not have a battle system at this point. <laughs> Jeez. Are, are we? Uh... One day. One day. Uh, John, do you have something to say? Because I, I I'm just gonna complain about Square some more. So do you have something? No, I just put Ceiling Cat into Scribble Knots because I think it's funny. <laughs> no, I just I, uh, SquareSoft, uh, Square Enix. Dang it! I, I just I don't know what they're doing anymore. I really don't. All, all the fiasco over Final Fantasy XIV, which is you know, you know, just a complete train wreck. And they hey, obviously hey, just. I'm going to cut you off. Do you know what Final? Do you want know Square Enix is doing right now? They're doing Deus Ex Human Revolution. Bam! Podcast <laughs> over. Uh, that's Idos. Um. So what wow. if they own them? That's not them. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it, it's Square Enix now. But that's not them. Yeah, okay, it's it's just like uh, it's just like Arkham Asylum is technically not theirs. Okay. Well, Arkham Asylum is is not a IDOS owned property. It's a Warner Brothers owned property, and it's not developed in house at IDOS anyway. It was developed by Rocksteady, who developed yes, the, the best game in the world, which was Urban Chaos Riot Response. I'm so excited for the new Arkham. I'm just throwing that out there. I am so excited for the next Batman game. Uh, oh, so good. Why don't we cover that? It's very much a Zelda clone. Why can't no, we cover No, okay, it? okay. Look, people yelled us enough because we do Zelda. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, I am complaining now. I wanted to do Okami. I wanted to do Arkham. Okay, now you're fired. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> We're not having this argument. We already get yelled at enough for covering I, I games know, that people don't I think know. are RPGs. 
I know, and I wanted to cover Dawn of War 2, which I still need to play, dang it. You know, here's the thing. I I give Rob crap for the Dawn of War 2 thing. I actually argued that before you were on the staff. Yes! (laughs) Epic win! Mm. So, uh, ha-ha! That's okay. As long as I I get to do the review of Diablo 3, I, I will fight Steven for that. I, I will literally commit murder. I will write that review. I don't even care if I'm not working for the site anymore. I'm writing it. <laughs> I'm writing it. It's mine. It's all mine. So yeah, more news. Uh, news. Parasite Eve, those games that I was playing a while ago, um, is coming to PSN. So that you know, uh, uh, be more specific. What it, did they announce it for US? I thought it was just announced in Japan. Um. Hmm. It do, 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 do. maybe our newsman should have known. Maybe I should have. Um, I think I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, oh, according to Liz's news story, it does have a North American release window. Oh, cool. Yeah. Now, is, yeah, is Parasite Eve two worth playing? I never played two, and I almost finished one, but I got a little annoyed with it. Is two worth playing? I never yeah, got it's, it. It's more actiony. Like it's it feels more like Resident Evil than. I'm okay with that. I love Resident Evil two. Well. Yeah, I don't know if you've gone back and played one of the old school turn go forward, turn go forward Resident Evil. Lately. I play Re- I play Resident Evil two through once a year, and I still love it. I mean, it's it you know it's barely playable at this point, but I I still love Resident Evil two, and I and I love the uh, GameCube remake of Resident Evil. I think that's probably the second scariest game I've ever played. So that's that's your yeah, Halloween. Yeah. If we don't have another podcast between now and Halloween, if you want a really scary game, the Resident Evil remake, those crimson heads, oh my god. Which, <laughs> when one <laughs> when one of them stood up, when the first one stood up in the hallway, I literally just paused the game and I was like that's not fair. <laughs> I do wish fair. that that if we don't do another podcast between now and Halloween, I wish I'd played some costume quest. Mm. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been good. Dang. Uh, uh, number one scare, number one scariest game for Halloween though. Go play Silent Hill too. Oh my god. <laughs> no, that scariest game is uh, House of the Dead Overkill. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay, moving on. Another news. Yes. Other news. Um, Oath of Felgana. The wise Oath of Felgana. Please. <laughs> I know. Wise. It's it's coming uh November. 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 Uh, November, I mean, some sometime in November. It's I think it's November 9th because we're talking about the copy that's uh, sorry no no it's November 2nd I'm sorry November 9th is another game um, oh that's that's Nights of the Nightmare um, no November 2nd for uh, for Ease Oath and Philadelphia which before our reviewable copy made its way to New Jersey to be reviewed um, I had a chance to play it it's good cool so yeah so that's gonna come in uh, two editions. Uh, there's a standard edition, which is, you know, $30-ish, and uh, limited collector's edition, which has a 4x6 desktop calendar and a music CD. Uh, so if you want to check that out, it's uh, being published by Xseed. So, and we have uh, an interview with um, one of Xseed's localization specialists on the site. Yes. So definitely check that out if you want to see a little bit more about what has gone into that game. Which, here, here's something that, that our readers and probably most of our staff don't know. Tom Lipschultz, who we have in the interview, I, I met him for the first time at E3. He actually has written several reader reviews for RPG Fan when we accepted reader reviews. Um, I'm not going to give away his name for, I don't know if he wants it known on our podcast or not. But uh, he's an awesome guy, and his localization is top-notch. Cool, cool, cool. 
Sorry. And then and then the the final news story for the day and and something of a, a crazy one I might say is uh, Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney. This sounds uh, epically awesome. <laughs> now, now here's the thing I even though it's level five, I I my expectations are way down in the dirt because unlike most of the people in North America, I played Namco Cross Capcom, and right. it was awful. <laughs> See, I, I I keep going into uh, no. Hold on a second. I, I keep going into EB, and they always have. Uh, is it? It's not Phoenix Wright. It's the DS. Is it Phoenix Wright? It's the the DS one. There, there's three of them. There's three Phoenix Wright games in Apollo Justice, and then Miles. Okay. Edgeworth. Okay. I think this is this is the DS game that just came out recently. I think it, Kim did the review. I, I think uh, it's that's Apollo. my. That, that's Miles Edgeworth. Okay. Attorney Investigations. I really want to play one of these games. Should I go pick that up? I really want to uh, try it out. No, I would actually not play Ace Attorney Investigations until you've played at least the first three Phoenix Wright games. But are those on DS? Because I can't. Yeah, they're they're all on DS. Where the hell do I go to pick one of those up? Um, uh, Amazon, probably okay. GameStop.com. Okay. Um, they're they're. I think they're a bit harder to find these days. But if you have a Wii. Um, oh, they yeah. released uh, – I don't know if they've gotten around to all three of them, but for I think about the somewhere first. in the realm of $10 a piece, they released the first three um, with uh, updated – I don't know if the, the controls were tremendously updated, but yeah, on, on the, the Wii. Which uh, un- unfortunately for the Wii takes away the option for you to yell objection at true. the screen. Okay, so what do we have here? Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Justice for All, and Trials and Tribulations. Okay, so I have to play all of those apparently. Yeah, play all those. Apollo Justice is is optional. Um, Edg- Edgeworth actually takes place before Apollo Justice in the timeline. See, I just want to play one of them. Like, and, and I'm looking at these prices, and it's it's ridiculous. Like, they yeah, want, if, like, if, if you if you've got a Wii, just grab it on. Uh, on I don't Wii. have a Wii. I like video games, not crap. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just giving crap. Wii is perfectly fine, but there's not a lot of games I want to play on it. So maybe maybe I'll send you my copy or something. We'll see what oh, happens. That, that would be nice. Well, I finished up Castlevania, so I'm looking in between all the, the Fallout. Oh, on a side note with Castlevania. I really want to see somebody talk about the ending at some point cuz the the ending is a giant WTF and I'm sure people are Pissed off. Oh my god. The the ending is nuts. Uh, I'll just why, leave it at that. Why do we always end up talking about like not RPGs for the last 20 minutes of our podcast? We've been talking about news. What are you talking about? I don't know. Why? Anyways, I'm just... so, uh, Le- Professor Layton, Ace Attorney, 3DS, that's going to be interesting, uh, especially since it's level fives and their, their art is always so pretty. So very pretty. Yeah, we'll see how the uh, Nintendo 3DS does with that $300 price tag in America. They haven't announced it yet. They haven't announced a U.S. Yeah, price guarantee. It's going to be above 250. It's going to be 250 okay. or above. It's it's going yeah. to be it, the price point is going to be 250. I guarantee you that. And you know what? That's the price that the PSP launched at. And here's the thing: it's not expected that little Jimmy is going to necessarily get a DS on day one. Give it by year three when it's going to be the price of 150. And there will be a million bajillion kids who can't see anymore because their game handles in 3D. No, that, that's true. That's I mean, I went to see Jackass in 3D, and that, that just proved to me that this 3D thing really needs to end. So I, I think it'll do fine. Um, but I, I, 
I, I just think the price point is ridiculous, and that's not a good move for Nintendo. But then again, Nintendo can just do whatever they want these days. You know, so. honestly, price point doesn't bother me anymore. I realized when I bought the $100 Civ Five Collector's Edition that I'll just buy whatever that game companies set. You are what's wrong with America. Well, I, I suppose that, that my situation is a little bit different, considering that I can play whatever I want for free, because... 90% of RPG fans' reviewables end up at my house at some point. Yeah, I was so happy to get my copy of uh, Fallout New Vegas. Oh, wait. Thanks, hey, Tony. I tried. I Thanks. tried. Thanks, Bethesda. Thank you so much. Now, hey, but they sent us a free copy of the game, just not for the platform you wanted it for. Yeah, can we make sure that if I do the Dragon Age review, I get that? <laughs> well, let's take a look. We're pretty good in with uh, with the guys at Bioware. Yeah, yeah. I, I would actually like to interview them and talk about this this whole Dragon Age two thing. I, I open invitation to anybody from Bioware who wants to come on and talk. I mean, I, again, won't be confrontational. Uh, I can't. Okay, I can't admit that. I but I, I can. I would love to have some developers on the show to to talk. Well, here's the thing. We'll talk about this when we're not on recording, but we, we'll we'll work some stuff out. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the fans might actually like that. So, uh, is that it for the news? We'll, uh, we'll end uh, yeah, I mean, that's about that. Oh, I mean, like, oh uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Oh, what one thing that I've said to our readers: please continue to buy um, the stuff that uh, came out from Working Designs on PlayStation Network. I would like to see other stuff come out that I actually <laughs> like. Well, so Alundra and Arthalad. Yeah, those are the ones that you got to pick up. So. Right now. All right. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, again. Make sure you download our podcast on iTunes. We, we love to see the reviews. We, we want to get the iTunes numbers at some point to see if anybody is downloading this besides us and our mothers. So, uh, you know, just want to make sure that, you, you know, you guys enjoy the show. Uh, feel free to give us suggestions on the boards. Definitely take those into consideration. Uh, we want to get our fourth chair back in here at some point, but, you know, that whole – what is it? Twelve thousand mile difference and six. That twelve hour time difference is kind of difficult to get Stephen on here, and he sacrificed his lungs to be on the show one week, and we're going to try to get him in here again at some point. And Gary. 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 <laughs> Gary. 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 <laughs> so creepy. I thought the game was glitching. I thought Fallout Three was glitching when that was going on, and I was like, Oh no, they're just trying to creep me out. Okay. Gary. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. For myself, for John and Zach, we will talk to you all later. I want the last word. And Gary.